Alright, I've got Vinny Dombrowski on the phone. He is the lead singer of Sponge. How you doing today, Vinny? Doing good, Brandon. How you doing? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. So, uh, you guys are on the road right now, right? Well, we were out on the road uh, November, December, and uh, you know, pretty much right up until Christmas. You know, We've done a handful of one-offs uh, since then, but uh, you know, we're just kind of back in Detroit, regrouping, plotting, and scheming for the... Uh, the upcoming year. Well, I know you guys are coming to Cleveland here pretty soon, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. The Rock Bar, from what I recall. And I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, we played the Rock Bar down in the flats uh, a few years back. Is it the same location? Is it a uh, uh, different location? Do you have any idea? I, I'm not actually sure. I've never been there, so I don't know. Got it. But I, I know you guys really enjoy playing Cleveland. We have a long history with Cleveland, you know, uh, playing uh any venue that I can imagine being in Cleveland over the last 20 years, I think we played it. Um, but uh, Cleveland being a huge supporter of the music, even before uh, Detroit was playing Plowed 20 years ago, Cleveland was playing Plowed. Uh, one of the first cities to really get it in rotation and uh, really just getting people familiar with the band. So we had great audiences uh, right from the get, just because of the enthusiasm at radio and, and from the fans. Well, I know, I, I remember you saying uh, several years ago at a show in Cleveland that Cleveland's kind of where you guys got your start at. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, radio, there, there were some issues with radio in Cleveland at the time. I think MMS and EMZ, perhaps, back in the day, were kind of like battling over who was going to play Sponge. And uh, for a minute, we couldn't even play in town in Cleveland because of the issues going on at radio. But because of that, I, I, I'm certain that we created quite a following early on in Cleveland, way before uh, many other cities started to kick in and play the music. So let, let's talk a little bit about uh, how the band got started. You guys were originally called Loud House, correct? We had a band called Loud House uh, with a different singer at the time. And uh, when, when that band kind of fell apart uh, post-Virgin Records. Uh, we did one record with those folks. Uh, the band kind of like uh, uh, dissolved, but we regrouped and uh, started something new that was Sponge. So uh, how did Sponge get started then, as far as like in the wake of, of the breakup of Loud House? Well, we uh, just got back into the uh, recording studio. We kept on writing. Uh, we thought, well, if we're going to do anything, we were just going to keep writing and making our own records. Essentially, years ago, uh, even in the Loud House days, we were very proactive uh, recording-wise, video-wise, and uh, doing things on our own, it, it wasn't unfamiliar to us. We didn't uh, need a record label to go record. We just did these things on our own. So the idea was to just continue working, writing songs, rehearsing, doing gigs, and... Uh, Lo and behold, it was, uh, you know, I think because of the group's efforts and hard work that we uh, started to get some interest uh, regarding some other labels and, and whatnot. But uh, we just, uh, it was pretty much business as usual. How did you make that move to vocalist? I always, I, you know, I do a considerable amount of writing when it was Loud House. Participated in that and uh, I began to sing on the demos for the Sponge stuff and um, it just worked. You know? That's really cool, man. So how did you guys end up uh, landing the Sony deal? Uh, we maintained management in between the bands. You know, there was still, uh, we weren't certain what we were going to do, uh, but we knew that we were going to write and record. And, and based on the quality of the stuff that we were doing, you know, the management thought, well, you know, guess what? Uh, maybe you guys got a shot at something else. So 
we started taking meetings with different labels and uh sony uh seemed like a real good place for us so that's where we went um definitely uh the the thing that people probably most remember you guys for is the wax ecstatic album okay now that album has an incredibly unique sound for that time period there was a lot of a lot of southern rock and blues and even some r&b mixed in there and i have always said uh that it's probably the most detroit sounding record you'll ever hear so what influenced a lot of the sounds on that record because it was such a change from what you guys were doing before and from everything else that was out there um what, uh, you know just trying to think back what we were going for back then was a real i think a, a real embracing of, of what it was and the defining of what it was that what brought sponge together you know the, the band that we loved um the the era of music that we were from the 70s and the 70s being the Bowie and Iggy Pop and, and, and groups like that I just go the Mick Ronson style of guitar playing that's kind of what we were going for uh, that was the essence of that that vibe and it was kind of, when I think back, I just go, it was kind of a real defining and embracing of the, our rock and roll roots. And we were just trying to bring that forward. Do, do you have uh, a favorite Sponge album? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a tough question, isn't it? Yeah, I, I thought that, you know, the Wax record was, was certainly a, a defining record for the group. Um, I think of the first record, and I didn't realize this until we were out there doing the whole Rodney Pinata record live. We were out there um, playing that whole record. We did a tour on that record, and that's all we played. We did a live record, and just revisiting those songs, I go, man, there were some really good songs on that record. Uh, it made me kind of appreciate that record all over again. That 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 was cool. But uh, the second record was certainly it was great to define what we were about and go for that. You know, the New Pop Sunday record, I, I thought as far as crafting a record, you know, we worked really hard on that record. Um, and that record went through many different hands and many changes. And, and just for the fact that we finally put it out, we put it out on a label that was not Sony Records. Uh, we went through a lot of changes business-wise at the time. And getting that record out, having done all the work, uh, it was a super challenge, but it was a super gratifying experience to make the record. And as far as the craft of making a record, um, I, I, I was pretty proud of that record. But oddly enough, that was one of those records that just kind of disappeared. It came and it went. <laughs> that was about it. You know, it's got us into the for all the drugs in the world record, and that was a blast to make, and uh, and that really turned out fantastic. But uh, most people don't know about uh, the, the records that uh, came after Wax or New Pop. And it's unfortunate because those are uh, those are all great records, really. You know, for all the drugs in the world, the man, galore, galore, all all great albums. I mean, even up till you know 2014, 2013, when we put out "Stop the Bleeding," uh, we did have the uh, "Destroy the Boy" EP, which uh, some of those songs are on the. Uh, it's nice, like all of those songs are on the uh, "Stop the Bleeding" record. And I like how you changed up the style, like the way those songs are played on the on the new record. I like how you changed it up a bit too. Well, you know, I, we just take that liberty, and again, a lot of the bands that we listened to back in the day, it's just, just you know, you know, was Bowie always doing what Bowie did? That 
you know, Iggy, everybody goes, well, Iggy and the Stooges, but the people know about Iggy's records, like, is it called Blah, 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 I think it was called, man. You know, it's like those records that Iggy made in the 80s certainly don't sound like Iggy from the Stooges days. And you go through those transformations. Uh, we were just like, well, why can't we do that? You know, Zeppelin did things like that. So many bands did things like that. Uh, we, we, we didn't want to be pigeonholed to one particular sound. Yeah, that's that's bad to be pigeonholed, really. Um, another, another thing is... Uh, after you guys put out Wax Ecstatic, you guys got the golden opportunity to open up for Kiss on their reunion tour. Sure. What, what was it like opening up for Kiss? Well, I mean, it, being the uh, legendary Tiger Stadium in our hometown where we sat and watched many baseball games, uh, and so many of our fans were there, and people knew the songs. This was after the uh, routing record. This was during the Wax Ecstatic tours. Uh, so everybody knew Cloud, everybody knew Molly. It's a real thrill to be out there with, you know, Kiss, but our pals and Allison Chains, that was a real thrill. And people knowing the music, they're out there singing, out there singing Cloud. They're stone cold Kiss fans, you know, in all the makeup, and they're out there singing Cloud. It was pretty, a uh, pretty proud moment for us. Yeah, that's gonna be a really exhilarating moment to have thousands of Kiss fans singing your songs. Oh yeah, it's like one of those pinch me moments. But pinch me moment is anytime I hear. Cloud on the radio today. You know, I would have thought that 20 plus years later, that song is still still banged on rock radio. It's like a staple of rock radio right now. So it, it still gives you the same thrill to hear it on the radio now as it did 20 years ago? Probably more so, yeah, because it's just like, the song's coming though, but this one ain't going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> nope. You just didn't go, well, I think we wrote a good one. <laughs> what was going through your head when you realized that was a hit song? I uh, never, ever thought it was a hit song. I knew it was a good song. Uh, and based on the reaction that we got from it before it was uh, a hit song, uh, quote-unquote, uh, it was a radio song, we just knew that the reaction we got live at the show that something was going on with this tune. People would go, man, that's a great song. I'd be like, well, okay, because understand the climate of radio when we were coming out with that tune. Rock radio was something that was always around, and rock radio at that time was, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, ACDC. Uh, the modern rock format was becoming popular, which was your Chili Peppers and your Jeans Addictions and uh, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. It wasn't really something up-tempo like that, uh, but more so just those rock radio stations playing Zeppelin and ACDC. That was what people would call a hit then and Cloud didn't sound anything like a hit and quite frankly we weren't sitting there going well we're going to write a hit song <laughs> I'm sure people can do that but uh, that wasn't going through our heads at the time now here's here's another great question something I've been wondering since the song came out what exactly is Wax Ecstatic? <laughs> well it turned into this drug that uh, we would sell uh, like a happy pill and uh, something that would solve all your troubles that that was wax ecstatic. That was it was a uh, a product. <laughs> so it what, was it a real product before you guys wrote the song? No, 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 no. I mean that was kind of the idea of the video too. We we're out there selling this pill out of a bottle called wax ecstatic. <laughs> now you guys have uh, you guys have, uh, have uh, gone through some lineup changes with the band. Do you do you get a lot of uh, disrespect from older fans that? you know, are mad that you're still touring under the sponge name? I mean, I guess early on, it might have been 
a couple people that were just uh, not pleased. But like most bands, what's important is the music and the music living on. And the changes that were made uh, were made in a way... It, I believe that the music is represented well. And the fellows that had been in the band, uh, Kyle and Andy, have been with the group now, man, over 12 years. That was much longer than the original guys, you know. Um, Billy, our drummer's been with us. Oof, man, it's going on probably 13, 14 years, you know. So, um, with that said, that much of the lineup has been extremely stable. Certainly not the original guys, but um, we've had a real solid, stable lineup, and a lineup that represents the music really well. I'm, I'm happy and proud to say Tim Paddlin plays bass with us. He's produced uh, a number of our records. Uh, Stop the Bleeding being the most recent, the earliest one. Tim was right there uh, co-producing and engineering with the band. Uh, that's Rodney Pinata record, the very first one. So he's been uh, part of the family for, for since since the absolute beginning. So we're, uh, we're pretty lucky to have a solid lineup uh, currently. And I also noticed you guys have had three bass players all named Tim. <laughs> was that planned? Coincidence or, is that coincidence or what? Was that planned? <laughs> no, I mean... It's not like we, you know, put an ad in the paper and said, uh, calling all bass players with the name of Tim. <laughs> we, we did not do that, but uh, it's complete coincidence. Uh, do, you, do you still keep in touch with any of the uh, early bandmates? Joey, Joey and I talk uh, from time to time. Um, I've talked to Mike several times, because there's just old business issues that uh, crop up from time to time, especially when you've been making music as long as we have, uh, publishing issues, license issues, things of that nature, so... Um, it's inevitable that we would have to sit down, and I'm glad we could do it and not have to go through lawyers and crap like that because it would just be a pain in the ass and would cost people money. So I'm I'm much uh, rather uh, sit down at a table with somebody than talk to the lawyer. So you guys are all still friendly then? Absolutely. Yeah. Now uh, you've had a few side projects in your career as well. Um, Crud, of course, a lot of people know about, and of course one that a lot of people really don't know about is Spies for Darwin. How exactly did that project get together? Um, I, you know, I think uh, our management at the time was uh, Susan Silver, Silver Management. And Susan uh, represented Soundgarden and um, Alice in Chains and, um, of course, Sponge. And at the time, that project was happening. There wasn't much going on with Alice in Chains. The band was just kind of on a hiatus. Uh, and of course, the stuff that had gone on with Wayne, and you'd really sit and go, well, where can a band like that turn at that point in time? So, Fellas still wanted to make music. Pagano was not uh, active with Queensryche anymore. And uh, all those fellas are friends, and they were just uh, interested in making music. They had sent me some demos of what they were doing, and I said, well, I'll take a crack at it. So I just uh, recorded some stuff, vocals on the stuff at home, and sent it back. And it's kind of how we started. And uh, I made several trips out to uh, Seattle uh, to work on songs and, and record out there. And, uh, yeah, made that uh, fine EP. Certainly, I'd like to make another record or finish that record, make it an EP at some point along the way, but uh, yeah, it's just always certainly a matter of time. And I know the Alice guys, uh, Sean and Mike, have been super busy. Negamo, he, uh, he's a busy man as well. So It's always good to see him. The last uh, Sponge tour that we did on the West Coast in December, we uh, got a chance to sit down and have a, have a beer. And it was uh, good to see those fellas. So you've, uh, you've had the chance to tour with a lot of great bands. Uh, what were some of your favorite bands to tour with? Wow. I mean, the uh, tour that we did 
the War Show was a, a real blast. Seven Dust. That was like when Seven Dust was first coming out. Great bunch of guys. Reverend Horton Heat was on the tour. Iggy Pop was on the tour. Bloodhound Gang. A lot of fun. Just a lot of fun with those bands. All good guys. Real blast. And of course, doing Lollapalooza in 96. Sharing the stage with the Melvins. That was always a blast. Like, you know, three months of, uh, you know, we would watch the Melvins play and, and Sponge would play. <laughs> Wasn't Metallica on, on Lollapalooza that year? Yeah, the cows would play before the Melvins. I mean, just to be honest, a kick-ass group of bands, and uh, of course, the main stage with uh, the, the rotating cast of uh, bands. Of course, Soundgarden and Metallica were the mainstays, and um, they would have like uh, Rage Against the Machine, play some dates, Devo come and play some dates, Ramones. Uh, fantastic, changing cast of characters uh, with that, but. Yeah, we've done so many great uh, things. Of course, the Summerland tour was a real blast. A lot of great bands, uh, great fellas, uh, Everclear, Filter, the guys in Live were just uh, super guys. And we toured with Live like in the beginning, man, back in '94. So it was good to see those guys again. But uh, yeah, we just done a ton of stuff, you know, and, and so many different gigs with so many different bands. The Cramps, Deftones, <laughs> it's just insane. Ministry, we played with those guys. The been such a great uh, cast of different bands, man. It's mind-boggling, really, but uh, certainly those groups come to mind. I can only imagine some of the stories you would have from the road with some of those bands. Just an eclectic array of, of bands you've toured with. Oh, it's just great folks. Just great groups and great uh, music moments. Just sitting, you know, watch some of these bands play and their favorite bands of yours. Not, not from just a musical point of view, but from a fan point of view. Just go, man, this is jaw-dropping. You know, just uh, just to sit there and go, wow, here we are <laughs> sharing the stage, man. This is just too, this is too deep. Now, I'm just curious here. You, you've been around for a while. I mean, it's been 21 years since Rotting Pinata came out. What's your your feelings on the current state of uh, popular music and rock music? Well, I certainly think that rock music is alive, but it's a young man's game. Um the idea of guitar, because I think, you know, just hearing about the Grammys, I think that won Best Rock Album or something like this, and I could go, well, God bless you, but I just think, of, I don't even think rock was represented much at all in, uh, in the Grammys, not like it is the barometer for rock music, but uh, I think it's definitely a young man's game these days, uh, you know, with the Black Girl Brides and the Stripes, I just go, well, you know, there's, there's, there's still a pulse out there. Um, but as far as guitar goes, it seems like guitar has been replaced with other instruments, and it's not really a guitar thing anymore. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, because even like the new 6AM album has a lot of electronics in it, which mm. was kind of disappointing for me. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, was kind of nice to see Beck winning a bunch of awards, but I, I don't really consider him to be a representative of rock music, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess... I think popular music these days is certainly defined as being a young man's game. Um, country music is a little more forgiving, although there's a lot of young country artists. Um, uh, what's the what's the group? And something sons. Uh, what's I'm trying to think of the name of the group, man? They're like a you know Mumford and Sons. No, man, no, 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 no. I'll think of it in a couple minutes. But you know, <laughs> they're doing a real good, you know, job of representing rock music, but they're not young. Um, and again. Uh, anything that I've heard about regarding rock music lately, um, just talking to club owners and younger fans of music, and they're really drawn from, you know, it's like 
hair metal bands and, and Motley Crue style stuff. And they're digging back into stuff that you would consider like, well, they're digging into Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Hendrix. They're really digging deep to learn about guitar and learn about those bands. And there's a real passion for it, you know. But again, these aren't like, you know, 30 year old guys. These are kids. The, you know, 15, 16, 17, that are really learning how to do the shit the way it used to be done. And there you have the enthusiasm, and there you will see where rock is starting to blossom again. And I go, there's, there certainly still is tons of hope. So do you think that real soon we'll see rock come back into the mainstream? I don't know. I think it, 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 young, young people are doing it, and young people are buying the records. Um, then, then at that point, it'll be represented correctly, and I think that uh, popular culture will begin to, you know, open up its arms again to it. But you know, with all the other mediums of delivering music, uh, via you know, programming and sense and and, and whatnot, uh, that seems to be something that interests a lot of people regarding the production of rock music these days. You see a lot of younger people at your shows. We see all kinds of people at our shows, but the kinds of it's interesting the kind of bands that I'm seeing come to open up for us um, that is that's interesting and the kind of music that they're playing you know it's like really young people, but they're playing rock you know and I'm not even talking like alternative rock they're playing like rock music that's rooted in the seventies, not West Coast hair metal rock either it's kind of like this bluesy kind of style of rock and again they're learning how to play the music and the singers present themselves in a way that um, is representative of like what was going on in the late 70s or the early 70s with rock music now I've seen you guys in, in Cleveland several times at uh, at Peabody's you guys played there yeah. quite a bit um, and j- just about every time I saw you guys there you had a gang of uh, local openers is that something you guys plan or is that something the venue puts together that was something that the venue put together. What they were doing at Peabody's uh, with the, you know, multiple rooms. It's almost like they turned it into a one-day festival. You know what I mean? And uh, it would start early, and they'd have all these bands playing. And we've done it. We've rolled into Cleveland and played different ways many times. Uh, but when we would come to Peabody's, that's how they would roll. Again, it was like a festival thing. Is that something you enjoyed doing? Because I know I, I saw you out in the crowd checking out some of these young bands. Oh, man, it's always great to go out and look at a band, you know, as long as I can sit there and watch them and not start talking to somebody, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, that's that's the challenge, man. If I go peek my head out, you know, I, I go, I'm out here because I'm interested, I hear something I'm digging, and um, I, I like to talk to people, but uh, when I'm watching a band, I just go, ah, I hate to disrespect the band, run in my mouth, or they're playing, so. Yeah. Now, um... Back in like the fall of '98, when Limp Bizkit released the single "Faith" and Corn released their single "Got the Life," and new metal kind of became the mainstream, alternative kind of died like right there on the spot. What were you thinking at that point? Well, we could feel it, man. The writing was on the wall at that point, and that's why it's like bands like Soundgarden, the Smashing Pumpkins, those those, those just giant bands just kind of went away. And you could tell it in the radio programming at the time. And what was going on with radio was a lot of radio was beginning to be programmed by consultant companies and not just the stations anymore. They were more concerned about marketing, selling ads, playing the exact right music, making it a science, looking at a demographic and trying to appeal to that audience in order to just get the numbers up at these stations. So at that point, it was really kind of difficult for Sponge to kind of fit into that 
and any new music to be um, presented to radio at that time. Uh, it was, it was, um, it's like you could feel it in the air. It just, everything went cold. And uh, the Soundgarden took a long break. Pumpkins took a long break. Um, Alice in Chains wasn't active anymore. And uh, a lot of the bands from that era just kind of like stepped aside for a while while this new kind of rock was uh, doing its thing. And, and that that prevailed. I mean, that was that was a big chunk of radio. And that style of music and those bands that came out of that particular time dominated radio. And what are your thoughts on some of those bands? Do you get into some of that? Oh, I mean, I... I, I I believe what they do, man. They, I, I, I believe what they do. Like, I listen to it, and I go, that's very believable. You know, it's not necessarily my thing, but uh, I can respect it from the point of view like they're carrying the torch for rock, you know? Would I play music like Slipknot? No, I think Slipknot is a kick-ass band, though. I'm, a, I'm like a fan of Slipknot. I would go, people would say rock is dead. I'd go, well, this, look at Slipknot. Some people may argue with me on that, but I just go, go all the way back to Alice Cooper. And if you, you look at the movie Superman, the movie about Shep Gordon, and you look what Cooper was doing back then, I just go, well, that was rock and roll. Why isn't Slipknot rock and roll? Look at what Slipknot does. I just think they, they image themselves fantastic. They write great songs. The presentation live is just fantastic. So why is that not rock and roll? So it's not something I would create, but I can understand why it's great and why people dig it. Now, uh, nowadays, where do you uh, draw your influence from for your music? Well, it's like the rock thing. I mean, even thinking about doing a new Sponge record, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Tell you honestly, God's truth, and I'd have to have an idea about what I would want to do. And these days, man, you know, I got um, New Orbitsons, the group that I've been doing for many years, probably 15 years now, and 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 I feel like you know my my, my energies are put towards that writing in that style, and having written a ton of songs lately for that. I mean, I can get my head wrapped around. It, but as far as rock goes, and where I fit in rock music these days, until I got like a you know like something to say musically in that way, in that sponge direction. I don't know where I would go with it because we we weren't even sure we were going to make another full length record when Stop the Bleeding came out. We finished that record and that kind of represented where we were at that time. But to go well, where are we going to be in 2015, 2016 regarding making a rock record? I don't even know. Really, I don't know. And so, to where I would draw the inspiration from, I have. I don't even have the place to draw the inspiration from at the moment. No, um, something I've I've been wondering for uh, for many years about you know veteran musicians like like Sponge, when you guys put out a new record and you guys go on tour in support of the new album, how hard is it for you to cut out some of the older songs to make room for the new songs? Is that a tough job to do? Well, one of those bands we have no problem playing to hit. Now, well, Radiohead won't play Creep anymore, from what we understand. It's like, we have no problem playing a song like Plowed. We just continue to play Plowed, and we're happy to see people happy about us playing Plowed. Molly, Wax Ecstatic, Mary, Rain in My House, those are staples in our show, man. We definitely do that, but it's fun to play stuff that we haven't played in a while, you know, stuff like um, 28 Days Off of for All the Drugs in the World, and we'll play uh, Treat Me Wrong from that record, or we'll jump back and play Silences or Drug, or we're playing a thousand times from uh, New Pop Sunday, or we're playing Faith from View from the new record, or we're taking a stab at Dance Floor from the new record. I mean, we're not just playing a 60-minute show, typically, you know, it's like 75 minutes plus, and, you know, we're, we're ticking around all kinds of things, and we're taking chances with it, too. Even some stuff that people would go, 
can you play Nina Menasha? We don't typically play that in the set. We'll play it, you know. We'll play miles if they ask for it. So it's it's always like we never write a set list, and we're always taking feedback from the audience, so we're doing our best to kind of just mix it up anyway. So yeah, we we know that there's certain songs that will always be in the set. However, we're always dumping new stuff in. Yeah, and I always liked how you guys take requests at the shows. Not a whole lot of bands will do that. They just stick with the set list. That's really awesome that you guys do that. We haven't done a set list in many years. We don't even make set lists. Do you guys still play uh, Planet Girls? <laughs> yeah, on occasion we do. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody wants to hear it, man, we'll play it. Yeah, we certainly play it, man. We'll do that. We'll, you know, party that we drop. It's, it's just depends on what people want to hear, you know? All right, Vinny. Well, um, I'm going to have to uh, get going, man. It was great talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Well, it's good to talk to you, Brandon. Great job. Great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you again sometime. And you guys are coming to Cleveland in April, right? We will be out there in March. March, I okay. The, hold on a second. I believe it's that first Friday in March. Okay, March 6th. I believe that's the one. Awesome, man. I look forward to seeing you guys. I will be at that show for sure. Likewise, man. Come on, say hello. All right, definitely, man. Thank you for coming on the show. All right, brother. Take All right, care. Bye. Dirty reggae blunts and we came to get down Nagels dropping these sick bass lines all rolling through your town Love the different scenes and we love the different weed Walking around, Franco wiping up our pot from little seeds Know we play the show, super upload So roll up another fatty and we'll continue to smoke But I don't really know what you got to roll Hoping that you pull us off fire as and no Got my own lighter, you know I can match a bowl Hoping that you're waiting with a joint after the show Mr. Weed Man, don't do me wrong. Come on, Mr. Weed Man, help me sing my song. Mr. Weed Man, won't you feel my bong? Mr. Weed Man, I need some relaxation. Mr. Weed Man, don't do me wrong. Like Bob Marley, I'ma smoke it till my brain is gone. Mr. Weed Man, don't you roll with rock? Mr. Weed Man, I need that medication. But I don't really know what you got to roll. Hoping that you pull out some fire as and know. Got my own lighter, you know I can match up all Hoping that you're waiting with the joint after the show Everybody solo! In our windows, but I don't really know what you got to roll. Hoping that you pull out some fire as and no. Got my own lighter, you know I can match a bowl. Hoping that you're waiting with a joint after the show.